Good day, and welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. In his year and a half in office, President Donald Trump has acted to make good on his campaign promises to grow the U.S. oil, natural gas, and coal industries during his presidency. Trump has taken a series of actions aimed at reducing environmental oversight of fossil fuel producers and at opening protected federal territory to new energy development. Yet the ability of the president, and of Washington more broadly, to promote new fossil energy production has its limits. Market forces, simply put, the dynamics of energy supply, demand, and pricing often play the leading role in an energy company's decision to develop new resources. At the same time, state-level energy regulations may, and frequently do, conflict with an administration's priorities. On today's podcast, we'll look at how Trump's strategy to assert global energy dominance has played out as reflected in recent investment trends in U.S. oil, gas, and coal. Today's guests are two experts on energy policy and markets. Anna Mikulska is a senior fellow at the Climate Center for Energy Policy and a non-resident fellow with the Baker Institute for Energy Studies at Rice University's Baker Institute for Public Policy. Her work focuses on the interplay between energy markets and policy. Michael Marr is Senior Program Advisor at the Baker Institute's Center for Energy Studies. He focuses on U.S. energy policy related to oil and gas production and safety, offshore drilling, and LNG exports. Anna and Michael, thanks for joining the show. So, Michael, I'd like to begin by asking you about the promises that President Trump made during his campaign to bring a renaissance to the U.S. coal industry and to increase U.S. oil and gas production to make the U.S. the dominant player in the global energy market. Cutting to the chase to start out, what grade can we give Trump in terms of fulfilling these promises to date? I think in oil and gas, you give him a passing grade. In coal... The markets are working against his coal renaissance. Uh, coal is no longer very economic. You have a lot of coal plants that are going to be shut down because they're being replaced by uh, natural gas in the power sector or by renewables. And those market drivers are overcoming whatever action the president has taken to date on coal. Anna, uh, Michael gives the administration a passing grade in its support for the oil and gas industry. Has investment in the sector, in fact, increased as the administration has wanted? Um, it actually has. I mean, we've seen um, a real uh, rise in production. Uh, we uh, we hit uh, record levels of production of oil, and EIA is forecasting that in 2018, also we U.S. will hit uh, record levels uh, uh, natural gas production. Uh, but the result is more of a reflection of the current global market than uh, than the changes that Trump administration has undertaken. Um, the market has been characterized by increased uh, global demand, cutbacks in production uh, by OPEC and Russia, and also consistent increase in crude prices um, that has that have been uh, quite crucial for the performance of the U.S. oil and gas sector. Additionally, you see uh, technological innovation that within the U.S. that has helped uh, productivity and lower costs. Now, we cannot also forget that 
um, U.S. companies were able to take advantage of those market conditions um, thanks to the previous administration's actions that allowed first uh, the previously banned crude oil exports and also propelled the construction of uh, LNG export terminals. So... um, And those export terminals, for example, uh, most of them have been completed right at the end of the Obama administration and have started functioning, uh, are starting functioning as we speak now during Trump administration. So it's really not the Trump administration actions that can be credited for increase of LNG trade, for example. It's just a market that has been propelled by by the uh, policies uh, that have been actually enacted during the Obama administration. Michael, uh, President Trump's December tax bill included a corporate tax cut that benefits oil and gas producers. What impact of the new tax rules have we seen? The, the tax reform, the cut in corporate tax rates, that's been a benefit to uh, corporations in general. And oil and gas producers are gaining from those lower tax rates. They weren't specifically designed for oil and gas. But that that would have a a positive impact on uh, the profitability of of drilling new wells. But but it's been overshadowed by the rise in oil prices that has occurred over the last several months uh, as the the world market has tightened. So, Anna, back to you. Uh, The administration's energy policies are being litigated in the courts. For example, in separate lawsuits, California and the Sierra Club are suing the Bureau of Land Management to force it to impose fracking regulations on federal lands. The BLM withdrew the regulations in December. What impact might litigation have on oil and gas companies' decisions to move forward with projects? Well, this is a problem. Anytime that uh, an investment is uh, decided upon, uh, the investor will look at the uh, the potential of any any lawsuits coming up. And as we know, those lawsuits also uh, can take quite a lot of time, which obviously will deter uh, investors. And if they have another option, like what they do in the U.S., private lands, they will go ahead and and be uh, uh, be they will invest their money where where they know there's gonna be no. Uh, uh, specific um, issues with drilling, or or, or already the the set up, set of rules is established, and it's not kind of uh, up in the air. And depending on the litigation that will follow, and uh, I mean the private lands have been I mean utilized in the U.S. much more than the federal lands, and and therefore we will see those investors probably be more keen on uh, investing on the private lands as opposed to federal lands that uh, might not be um, available or where rules are not uh, clear yet uh, onto, uh, with respect to how fracking can be done. Okay, so Michael, so far the administration has made headway in rolling back environmental regulations, for example, the Clean Power Plan and backing out of the Paris Climate Accord. And as uh, Anna just mentioned, at the same time it has opened protected federal lands to new oil and gas development. How will these moves influence fossil energy activity going forward? On the environmental side, uh, a lot of the drivers behind reducing CO2 emissions have actually been driven by the market with gas replacing uh, coal and power and through state actions encouraging you know, more renewables. That's going to continue. Uh, so at least to date, I don't think those Trump policies have had much impact, if any, on oil and gas uh, or, or even coal from what 
was going to happen anyway. Uh, on access, uh, he's proposed opening up the East Coast and West Coast to exploration mm-hmm. uh, offshore. But I think there's two things working against that. One, the resource potential is probably not great. There's an awful lot of onshore land that's going to be much cheaper uh, to develop that's already on private lands, have a lot less permitting issues, a lot less state opposition. I don't think you're going to see a lot of excitement uh, from the oil sector if those lands offshore, east and west coast, actually go up for bid. Uh, I'm not expecting a lot of activity anytime soon or, or even a lot of interest. He's going forward with uh, aggressive leases in the Gulf of Mexico, but that's traditional, regardless you were a Democrat or Republican president, that, mm-hmm. that those are continuing. He's opening up again some offshore lands in Alaska. Same problem there. It's very expensive, very long lead times. Next administration might overturn those. I don't see you're going to get a lot of ex- interest in offshore Alaska, especially up in in the frozen parts. Uh, Maybe some interest in in opening up the ANWR, but again, that is a very long lead time project. There is some risk that another administration would come in and and stop that or stall that. And then I think the last one is there's been a lot of talk of him – rolling back the methane regulations the uh the, t- the Obama administration had proposed putting in place uh rules to uh limit methane emissions from oil and gas production mm-hmm. a lot of companies have announced that they're going to go forward with voluntary efforts to reduce that i think what you're seeing is that technology is moving ahead and it's going to be less costly to reduce methane emissions uh, I, I think this is one where the rollback of emission regulation is not going to have much impact on the oil. It, it wasn't going to be uh, a real onerous cost, even if you put those rules in. So removing them are not going to make a, a, a big difference. And again, I think you'll see more and more companies moving forward on their own to try to reduce uh, methane emissions. And some of that's driven because when you vent methane, you are taking product that you could sell if you captured it, and instead, you know, venting it to the atmosphere. So there is some economic incentive for companies to make sure that they're they're not venting or releasing uh, accidentally a lot of uh, methane. And to some extent, it also goes to the long-term, short-term um, idea. Um, the companies or states also, they see that uh, global trends uh, go into the direction of reducing emissions, uh, be it CO, uh, CO2 or uh, CO2 or, um, or methane, and um, see the Trump administration rules more like as a short-term aberration rather than a trend. And and uh, they will not. They cannot afford not following the progress that's being done because uh, they're afraid at some point they will have to do it at a, at a greater cost. Um, so they part of this um, of this uh, and companies like Shell and 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 Exxon. They are all involved actually in um, in. Uh, 
in designing rules for methane emissions. States are involved, despite of the fact that CPP, the Clean Power Plan, hasn't uh, worked out. Many states are actually following up, following on those uh, the, the the commitments. There's the so called the regional greenhouse uh, gas initiative that involves nine states that um, that uh, sets a mandatory market um, for greenhouse gases and so we will see that happening on st- in within states we'll see uh, that companies that oftentimes are international they will still follow international trends despite the fact that uh, uh, that uh, standards in the US might be short in short term less stringent so uh, I, I think in, in some, if you were looking at the Trump energy policies, the, the main positive is what Trump hasn't done. Okay. He didn't come in with a bunch of new regulations that limited oil and gas production. Right. But the things that you would point to as proactive to help oil and gas really have been small relative to the the increase in oil prices recently, the ability to export oil and gas. Uh, so I would say that the administration is really benefiting from the rules and regulations that were put in place during the last administration and uh, market forces more so than their direct policies uh, that they've instituted themselves. And if you came in and reversed some of his environmental policies, they will have a marginal impact on costs, but they're not going to over they're not going to be the overriding decision on to invest or not invest. If you woke up tomorrow and suddenly had to do uh, uh, methane uh, reduction steps, yes, that would re- increase your cost somewhat, but it's it's not. It's not going to shut in thousands and thousands of uh, drilling rigs. I mean, it's 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 too small. So, I, I really don't think there's much that this administration is doing that's going to impact long-term investment, and that goes to also his efforts to bring back coal. I I don't think anything he can do is going to drive people to build new coal plants. He might delay the shutdown of some old coal plants, but they're going to still be re- uh, retired down the road. So the coal renaissance is is uh, it, it maybe it's a pipe dream. It will not occur. Michael, can you talk about the role of states in regulating fossil energy development? Can state rules offset federal ones? You know, press tends to focus on the federal government, and it's in in energy. State governments probably are even more important. If you look at power. Texas, which is the major oil and gas producer, you know, very strong for that industry, also had a uh, Republican administration that pushed in a lot of wind power into the state, probably the largest wind power state in the country by far. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a state policy, not a federal policy. California is moving forward with plans that are very aggressive on renewables. That's, again, a state policy, not a federal policy. New York and some of the other uh, northeast countries are, again, their state policies are pushing for less carbon and and more renewables. And and that's offsetting efforts by the the federal government under Trump to try to push forward in, in the power sector more coal. 
Environmentally, the ground does seem to be shifting. Uh, A Gallup poll published at the end of March shows that the majority of Americans feel that government is doing too little to protect the environment. This is the highest percentage of Americans that have felt this way since 2006. Anna, with that in mind, what does the potential for pushback on development in sensitive lands in previously protected federal lands mean for decision makers at fossil fuel companies? Yeah, I think companies, I mean, oil and gas companies are preparing for and and they they work with uh, different uh, environmental scenarios, right? So oftentimes they actually uh, bring up the price of uh, CO2, even though there is none, but they calculate it in terms of uh, what would be their profits if uh, such uh, price on carbon where it was to uh, was to exist and so on. So these companies are uh, again they 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 um, they function not only in the U.S. They function outside of the U.S. and they prepare for uh, for what the global trends are, and uh, and that's uh, definitely not what the current administration uh, displays. So there is kind of this disagreement between what the global trends are and and that's com- the companies are really planning for that. And some of the major oil companies have talked about putting in their their own voluntary efforts to reduce methane emissions. Right. I think they realize that those are going to be regulated at some point. Let's try to get ahead of that and 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 you know start doing this uh, rather than taking advantage of an administration that's not regulating them and a new regula- uh, administration coming in and really slamming down on the sector. So I, I think companies recognize that there are that some of these short-term gains are not going to last, or some of these regulatory changes won't last forever. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the cost savings that might come from some of these environmental rollbacks that the administration has proposed, if I was an oil and gas producer, I would say that the tariffs on steel imports dwarf any savings I might make on those environmental regulations. And that's, that actually the, 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 the tariffs are, are much, much of a greater impact on their costs than anything that he's done in the environmental sector. You mean the rising cost of steel for their, for their yes. drilling operations, for example, far right. offsets any, any um, advantage to them from, from less regulation? And that still also impacts chemical companies that are trying to expand, uh, refineries that are trying to expand. Those are, those are also part of the oil and gas sector. You know, when you add all those up, those are pretty neg- that's a pretty negative impact on uh, a unilateral increase in costs in the United States that the other parts of the world do not face. So what I'm hearing here is that the Trump's that excuse me that Trump's trade policies may be a bigger influence on energy than his more direct energy and environmentally focused policies. Right. And and ironically the trade policy of the administration is is very negative. I mean this is one actually one of two uh policy um areas where Trump administration can impact uh uh, oil and gas, and it's uh, both of those. Um, and the first one would be tax uh, policies, which poten- which has and would be will be uh, affecting positively oil and gas, just like any other company in the U.S. The other indirect policy that will 
uh, will uh, affect o- o- oil and gas uh, uh, companies and oil and gas sector will will be trade uh, policy, and that relates to um, many issues. Specifically, uh, uh, we will be talking now about uh, steel, uh, where uh, oil and gas industry does use uh, imported steel, for example, um, the pipelines that are built, approximately 7% of steel used to build pipelines in the U.S. Is, was imported. Mm-hmm. So it will, um, uh, this will uh, increase cost for producers and consumers, um, uh, but also on the bigger scale, in the broader sense, um, any type of um, trade disputes that we will have with our allies or with our trade tra- uh, trade partners will be uh, uh, will be an issue for uh, our uh, our oil and gas exports so if you take for example mexico where the us has actually a trade energy trade surplus and uh, if you think about uh, nafta any type of um, renegotiating of nafta that could lead or geop- uh, could lead to weakening uh, or or basically getting away uh, with nafta could jeopard- jeopardize uh, future um, energy uh, se- exports they are not under nafta but they they part of this bigger kind of agreement of uh, you know uh, trade uh, of uh, of easy trade between the two countries and if we create um, uh, a situation where um, that's uh, not positive for trade, we will po- possibly see more scrutiny over the U.S. Um, uh, US uh, um, exports of, uh, for example, natural gas, um, or uh, we will see the uh, equipment and services for the offshore Gulf, uh, Gulf of Mexico that could be disadvantaged, um, and so on. Um, and of course, there's also this bigger, even global uh, story where if you end up with trade wars across the globe, you will end up also uh, with a negative um, effect on global economy. Slower global economy generally means also that uh, you have lower oil and gas demand. Lower that means also lower production and lower. Uh, Income for the oil and gas sector. So it's kind of all um, at a different. Uh, there's there are impacts at a different levels that that uh, can happen, and, and none of them really is good when it comes to trade protectionism. That Trump administration has been involved recently. So I, when you when you think of where the future of the U.S. oil and gas industry is going to be uh, impacted the most, it's going to be internationally. Most of the demand growth, maybe close to 100%, is going to come from overseas more than than in the United States. So any trade disputes that cause uh, less global economic growth is going to mean less uh, demand for U.S. oil and gas. So it's it's that that global negative on uh, the economies of the world from trade less trade favorable trade policies comes back to actually reduce uh, the incentives for uh, producing and exporting of uh, U.S. oil and gas products. Anna and Michael, thanks for talking. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Today's guests have been Anna Mikulska, a senior fellow at the Climate Center for Energy Policy and a non-resident fellow with the Baker Institute for Energy Studies at Rice University, and Michael Marr, senior program advisor at the Baker Institute's Center for Energy Studies. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Energy Policy Now. For more insights into energy policy and for updates on research and events from the Climate Center, subscribe to our Twitter feed, at Climate Energy, or visit our website, 
climateandenergy.upenn.edu. Thanks for listening and have a great day.